Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and I'm joined by my co-host Joey. Hello. And today we're talking about office space. So I was sitting in my cubicle today and I realized ever since I started working, um, every single day of my life has been worse than the day before it. So that means that every single day that you see me, that's on the worst day of my life. What about today? Is today the worst day of your life? Yeah. Wow, that's messed up. This is a comedy. Directed by Mike Judge. Cast includes Ron Deddingston, Rachel from Friends, Gary Cole, and Gordon Pibb. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? I watched it on Amazon Video. All right, Joey, give us the synopsis. An unmotivated office employee forgets to put the new cover sheets on his TPS reports, and chaos ensues. All right, Office Space, a uh, a movie that has remained relevant despite coming out in 1999. This is um, the first time I ever saw this movie. Really? I yeah. um I saw it a long time ago, but it, it has new meaning on this next viewing, namely because I've had a job between now and then, many mm. jobs, in fact. Uh, so let's let's get right into it, Joey. What were your pros for this film? Well, just like you said, still relevant. It's a fun look at modern office culture and its back, backwards bureaucracy. Um, the story is very whimsical and fun, and there's a happy ending. Yes, I uh, I think it's still relevant. I think it's it has realistic aspects to it as far as like getting some um, office aspects really, really, they get it right Yeah, <laughs> in a way that you're like, okay, you've definitely also worked in office here. Um, I think it's funny without going overboard uh, in a, you know, that's a risk you run in comedies that you could go way too whimsical, too silly. And it's, and, and you, I don't know, sometimes you can lose me with that. Um, but I think that they do a good amount of whimsy and silliness in this film. Uh, it's th- thought-provoking, I think, without telling you explicitly how to think uh, in relation to how you view your job in an office. And also, great music. You would, <laughs> This soundtrack is really impressive, especially for a film that's about working in an office. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's one of the big jokes, too, is just how... You know, the rap culture or rap music doesn't fit at all into this environment. And yet, like, that's what best describes their feelings. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, Let's go ahead and move into the cons. Uh, I I didn't have a whole lot of cons. I think cons are the hardest part of making the show, honestly, uh, because I never want to really... Yeah, that's what makes you like a a critic right away. I'm not a critic. (laughs) It makes your... And what makes your opinion valid, I think, is being able to say what you didn't like about something. Sure. And for this one, it was, as much as I loved seeing Bill Lumberg as a villain, I don't think this movie does much to humanize him uh, because it's so it's easy to look at, a, as you, at your boss as like this just totally bad uh, entity. But I don't think that that's really true to life. You know, a lot of times your boss, if, especially if they're older than you, which in this case he was, usually they'll have like a family, you know, and there's like a reason that they're showing up for work every day. This one just kind of makes it seem like Bill Lumberg uh, loves being kind of this this bad passive aggressive guy. I, and mm-hmm. that works. I think that's that's fine for his character, very memorable character. Uh, but uh, you know, maybe we could have seen the other side of it uh, as far as making him look like a person. Um, also, I don't think this movie does a good job of showing gainful employment in a positive light. Uh, yes, we can all complain about our jobs, but it's also like it 
jobs do improve your life uh, in the sense that they give you a uh, a source of income. You do need money. Uh, at least it's a better. It's a positive alternative to being uh, homeless, right? So um, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yes. But that's kind of an extreme example. I think. I think isn't the point of this movie to highlight the things that are bad about office culture? Yes. Like to put that into perspective and be like, oh, you're like, you know, you go in there and you like, you're in there for a certain reason. You're you're doing it. You're working to live or whatever, right? But this movie is like, why why do you put yourself through all this stuff? Why do you put yourself through soul crushing work and everything? I mean, that seems like the whole thesis of the movie to make it, you know, to. to put this thing that's everyone kind of puts up with in a way that's very negative sure and i'm not disagreeing with that i'm just saying that like there's one line in the movie that i think uh pushes towards saying that jobs are somewhat good samir's like when they said what if we're still doing this when we're 50 and samir's like well, that would be incredible job security. And like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a good thing. If you're, tell- if you're in 2008 complaining about your job, uh, some people might be like, oh, you're kind of ungrateful, you know, because we'd all love to have jobs here, uh, but where they're not available, right? So in a certain light, you're, it's almost like complaining that your food tastes bad uh, when, you know, other people are starving. It, it, it's nice yeah, but to have discount your, But just because other people have it worse doesn't mean that you can't also suffer. Sure. But I think that at a base level, you got to be able to show something positive from the job. And, I, and it, I'm getting too nuanced in my opinion here with this, uh, with this con. I just don't think that it's uh, a totally bad thing. Okay, I, I agree with that. Um, for me, like, I, I agree with what you said about Bill Lember, but I think it extends to a lot of the characters. I think there's, there's really only two characters in this movie. Everyone else is kind of a caricature. There's very much like they're all one-dimensional. Most of them are kind of like one joke in a way. Um, and much like, I would say, much like working in an actual office, this movie is kind of mundane and overall not not that interesting or, or bad or, or anything. It's kind of bland in a way. The jokes aren't as cutting or as deep as I kind of expected. And there's only a few moments that really feel like, feel like soul-crushing. I think the thing that makes this movie kind of lose some of its teeth is that it has a happy ending and there is this kind of culmination of like it's almost like the fantasy of an office worker more so than it is an actual office yes i agree with that but i i think that's part of what makes it good like it it is kind of like the uh uh, this fever dream of someone who's worked in an office too long right and they're like oh i just wish something would happen um but okay let's 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 uh let's let's get into it here. So I think Office Space is a hilarious and cynical look at the daily lives of office workers. Um, it points out uncomfortable truths of what it's like to work in an office and begs the question: Is this really a good way to spend your life? Uh, if you've ever worked in an office, or if you currently work in one, this movie will make you laugh out loud and perhaps uh, reflect <laughs> and maybe even sob in despair. I mean, do you think, I mean, I don't know about that. I don't know if I would go that far. I don't think it's that bad. I don't think this movie paints it in as bad of a light as it could have. Okay. Honestly, I think my expectations for this movie, I guess, were were higher than most. I had heard a lot about it. I had heard that it was the kind of movie that shines a light on how ridiculous office culture is. Um, And when people talk about it, they talk about how when they go into work, it's just like they described in office space, right? It's like, oh man, office space hit this nail right on the head. But that... Largely hasn't been my experience. So, 
like again, this is another movie that forces you to kind of engage with its premise. There's not a lot of, you know, there's there's some clever camera movement, especially when they're like doing the interrogations and stuff to show like difference of perspective or how things change. But otherwise, like the acting, the storytelling, everything is kind of eh, bland, especially compared to some of the great movies that we've been watching recently. Um, this movie, the movie that this movie reminds me the most of that we've reviewed before is Idiocracy. Ah, another Mike Judge flick. Right, and maybe that's why. Maybe it has that same kind of feeling. Although I did like this movie a lot more than I liked Idiocracy. Oh, me I too. Feel like, I feel like if this movie came out today, it would be funny, but in a really dark way. There is so much more that the movie only barely, barely covers. Like meetings about meetings, the open office environment, standing desks, you know, petty rivalries, weird twisted versions of human dating rituals. I mean, maybe these are more modern things, but these are things that are prevalent now that you could easily you know, stab and, and make fun of. Yeah, like one of the big things that isn't in this film that I think would be a big part of any sort of office comedy cult, like office culture comedy that was made today, cell phones. The way cell phones are treated in the workplace is like, when can you be on them? It's like, are you on yours too much? You know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, And it's, I think that that would definitely be something that this movie is dated in the sense that it doesn't have any sort of cell phones. Right. And then there's, there's all this um, dehumanization that the, kind of, the movie kind of does a good job of doing, but I feel like that could have been hammered home a little bit more. I feel like the uh, when, I, when I was watching this movie, I was thinking kind of about Fight Club and how it made fun of office culture and how everything in Fight Club is like this kind of hyper-real version of, of reality. And it does such a good job of showing just kind of how mundane and like worthless the people in the office are and how worthless their lives have become there's all copies of copies um this i mean this movie does a a pretty good job of doing that but i don't think it goes quite as far as it could have and like how you could be treated like a piece of equipment or how you're disposable or replaceable i think largely like i said before this movie is a cathartic movie it's a fantasy for someone who works in an office well, I think one of the things that I'm kind of noticing just hearing your perspective of as somebody who has worked in an office and is now seeing this movie versus my experience, which was seeing this movie and then working in an office. Uh, so for my, from my perspective, it was noticing some of the things that they got right that made my like reality somewhat terrifying uh, versus what I, I think seeing it from the other direction, it's like living the reality and seeing what they get right. Um, so I, yeah, but I don't know. Like, I don't think noticing, <laughs> I don't think noticing weird things or stupid things in an office makes you that clever of a movie. Millions of people work in an office and could write a better, like more scathing movie than this. I think. Okay. I think this is like, this is like clearly whoever wrote this movie, clearly Mike judge worked in an office. He understands office culture that I can appreciate what I, what I feel like doesn't happen is there's not like a thesis that's really biting about this. You know, our, our character, what is, what's his name? Uh, Peter. He's very, like, he's going through a midlife crisis. He's having all these feelings and emotions about how worthless his job is and how awful the, the, the place he works is at. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. But what doesn't make sense is why he stays there for as long as he does. You know, like, you can... Every individual can make changes to their life and to, to make things better. Maybe he feels like he's trapped or something, but what would have been a more a, uh, 
a more biting criticism, something that I would have liked to this movie have done, just to show that it's unescapable, that no matter where he goes, it's always the same. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it kind of does that, right? Like, there, he, there's a happy ending in a sense, but um, I mean, Samir and uh, Michael still go just to another office and do the, the basically the same job. Like, yeah. the happy ending is that they don't go to jail, really. Um, but yeah, I guess I, I get that. I'm I'm kind of viewing Office Space as the logical answer to a culture that has kind of this uh stereotypical office environment that exists everywhere throughout like the country um and yeah i agree there could probably be a darker more biting even funnier movie that somebody could make um but as far as i know office space is kind of that stand-in it's it's the movie about office culture you know it really is and that's why people like it i think it's because a lot of people can relate to it and i understand i definitely could relate to it too but i don't think like watching this movie doesn't make me not want to go into work to, like tomorrow. It makes me makes me not want to work at Inatech, <laughs> but yes. it doesn't make me not want to go to an office. It is a little bit frightening for me though because it this guy's a uh, software engineer. Yeah, and that's what I do. <laughs> um, you, so, you can always sell magazines. Yeah, and make a better living. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe I don't know how Depends much how hard you push, man. I yeah, I guess he it was de- working in the middle of the night. He was like there in the evening. Who's buying magazines in the middle of the night? These guys. Yeah, that <laughs> selling magazines door to door in 2019, Joey. Come on, that maybe 20 years ago. Um. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so I think we should talk a little bit about our own experiences in office environments. Yes um because we've both worked in offices i've i've worked in many offices um i've had a lot i've had jobs maybe not lots of jobs i've had a few where i felt like i could get away with doing nothing i could come in every day and not do anything yeah and that was the worst those are the worst times of my life when i felt totally worthless and totally useless and the only caveat to that was that i always felt like i could i was it was temporary like i was only going to be there for a few months because I had school or I had something else and I would have to move away. So the, the other thing that I, I think makes a job worth going to is the people that you work with. Because no matter where I go, there's, I can always find allies. You know, Peter was kind of alone in the way he was thinking. Even his two friends were very much ingrained in the culture that they, that they lived in. But for me, what made school and work more interesting and more bearable was complaining about the stuff that sucked. When the people that sucked, the work or bureaucracy that sucked, I often found people like allies this way. And recently I took this management skills class where they said something that really kind of reframed work culture for me. They said, um, you don't quit a business, you quit a person. It's your immediate environment that shapes your mental well-being and your attitude to work more so than whatever your company happens to do. You know, you said when they were t- saying like, if your employees are unhappy or something or if you're you know you're supervising someone and they quit they're quitting you they're not quitting the company it's because of some it's because you are not providing enough for them okay and that's like i mean it's interesting because it makes it put put it on a more personal level it doesn't matter so much like what you're doing day to day it matters kind of like whether you're appreciated more Right. Well, and that kind of reframes the boss as less of a slave driver and more of a you know benevolent uh, leader. Right. 
Well, like the boss in general, or do you mean the boss in office space? In general, I mean, like the position right. of boss, depending on how you treat that job as the boss, uh, you, you can be that, you know, benevolent leader who cares for his employees uh, or, and wants to retain them versus the yeah. slave driver who wants to push them as hard as possible for as long as possible until they inevitably leave. Right, exactly. I mean, that's, that's what you want, right? Turnover rate is never a good thing. And yeah, when, when I first started working in office, I thought my sense of humor would start to kind of warp and like more mundane things would become more hilarious. Um, but I've, if anything, I feel like people kind of rail against the bland environment. It's like the walls are being constantly pushed back. Like we're just kind of apes in a temporary cage in a way. That's the kind of feeling I, I get. It's not like the one line that I really related to was when, um, what's his name? Peter said, uh, like people aren't meant to work in an office. And I, like, I definitely felt that. I, I remember like thinking that exact thing, um, you know, six months ago when I started working in office. It's just like people aren't meant to be in this kind of environment, but you can feel it. You can feel that people aren't like satisfied with it. People make changes, do things, rebel in subtle ways to like, you know, you know, find a way to express themselves, find a way to make their lives better. And I mean... The, I mean, the kind of the most lesson of this movie that they don't really say is like, oh, it's the same everywhere. But it's not that's not necessarily true. You could go somewhere else and make a better life for yourself. Right. Or go, go to a place where the environment is different. The work culture is different. Yes. I mean, I can I can sort of feel the restraint from like my coworkers. I can feel the effort it takes to be mature and be an adult. And in the end, like an office is just a place. It's the people in the office that make it soul crushing or meaningless or fun and exciting. So it's difficult for me to take away anything from this movie besides kind of the general, oh, it's an office. I recognize this place um, more so than like that, that's the kind of lesson I'm taking away from it more so than like, oh, my office is an awful soul crushing place. I'm more getting the feeling that in is a awful soul crushing place. Okay. And yeah, going off of that, this they do have a lot of like individual like office stereotypes that they kind of um, harp on and, and point out, and mainly for comedic uh, effect. So I'm going to go through some of those and how they relate to my own experience uh, in offices as well. So the first thing is uh, working a nine to five. That's how it's always been referred. And um, like if you work in an office, you know that's a standard nine to five job. I have never worked a nine-to-five job. Every job has required me to show up by eight, if not earlier. And, uh, yeah. and then you stay to five, which I don't know where nine-to-five comes from. I don't know anyone who works in nine-to-five. Maybe it used to be nine-to-five, and then it got pushed to eight-to-five. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, because the, the, it's like the eight-hour workday is the standard, right? So I think right. that that's including a one-hour lunch break. Yeah. Uh, so that's where the nine-to-five is. But, they, dude, do you know how much how much nicer it would be to <laughs> go to nine-to-five? That being said, <laughs> yes. I would probably get less done. I would definitely get less done in the long haul because that's you're just at work less. Um, but nine-to-five should be eight-to-five. That's how we should refer to that. Um, okay. Yeah, that also. The iconic commute scene at the beginning of the movie, uh, I think, is great. They got a lot of... I mean, there's so many things in this movie where you're like, oh, yeah, like I remember that from real life, you know? Like, <laughs> you're, where you're, like, switching lanes and your lane always yes. is the one that ends up I like that a lot. That was, that, was a, that was a good scene. It I liked was. how they did that. Although, like, my rule is always the line that's moving the slowest is the line that you need to be in. Because, why is that? 
because the line that's moving faster is merging into your lane. Mm. The reason why yours is slower is because other people are merging into it. To tell you the truth, merging gives me anxiety, so I like to not merge. Me too. I actually just don't like driving in general. I I drive four minutes to work. I drive. Do you really? Yes. I well, four minutes if I catch all the green lights. And uh, in the morning, it's about whether the lights want to turn on for me, not if there's a lot of traffic, because I go in early and there's not a lot of traffic. But Mm. I purposely live really close to work because it's the place I drive to the most. And uh, I don't like commuting. I think commuting is a big, like, life drain. uh, Oh, yeah. Where you never get it back. There's some study that said that um, the length of your commute directly, like, correlates to your happiness. And I'm a pretty happy guy based on my four-minute commute. So it's uh, it's a little <laughs> bit longer in the afternoon because I do live near the like the capital, and there's traffic at you know five. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm only going a short distance. So commuting also a really big part of working, uh, which is which makes jobs where you can work from home that much more attractive. Um, but okay, better parking for upper management. I've experienced this for sure. I still experience this now. Um, when I go to work, I park across the street from oh the building gosh. that I'm in. Um, and part, I mean, part of that is because it's a government complex. So there's just a lot of people there in general. Um, but it, like <laughs> this movie really, it's, it's kind of subtle the way they poke fun at it because none of the guys say it. They're not like, right. oh, here we go on this big long walk. It's just a normal part of it. But every time they go to the building and except for the times where Peter parks in Bill's parking spot, they're like huffing it across like grass. That's right. I didn't catch that. I was like, why are they showing this? But yeah, they're like they're like walking through that ditch. Yeah. And, and they're like, like walking across parking lots. Yeah. At my office, we <laughs> actually um we kind of poke fun at it. We call it the uh the peasant parking lot. That's where like oh me God. and my coworkers park because we're so far away. But like it upper management parks right up against the building. So uh that's like a normal part of like office stuff. Um I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with that. You gotta park. Um there's only so much parking room. But they got that part right. Um and having to walk really far, I think is funny too. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I didn't I didn't catch that. Um there's also the repetitive tasks, which this one is definitely like this is where they kind of push the limits on reality for this one. But it's like the woman like uh, I forgot her name, but she's like saying her name like in a tech like this is like. Yeah, she like squeaks every time. Yeah, she talks. and it just keeps on going and repeat in the background like you can keep hearing. <laughs> yeah, you can it. keep hearing the squeak. <laughs> That's awesome. No, there was I uh, like my desk used to be like really close to our call center. So there would be, there was one woman who like, whose voice just kind of like penetrated through like all because all the other people were saying the same thing, but there was one woman in particular who I could always hear clearly what she was saying. And it was just like constantly like, thank you for calling. Thank you for calling. That's not, yeah, that's tough (laughs) to hear the same thing all day. I, um, I'm, I'm lucky because imagine saying the same thing all all day. I always felt worse for her than I did for me. True. The, uh, <laughs> uh, my, luckily, uh, my workplace allows me to wear headphones at work, uh, and I do end up wearing them a lot. If uh, like not necessarily just because like silence is boring, it's really because uh, noises distract me. So I'll put something in that's more consistent so I can focus. So uh, I think that would be really hard if you had to listen to the same voices over and over again. But also repetitive tasks, I think, are kind of a criticism of work of like an office workplace. But I would argue that it's at least less than like a lot of minimum wage jobs where you're truly doing the same job over and over again, you know? Um, Yeah. Like without even really, really thinking about it. So uh, isn't that like the, I mean, that's what we're kind of trending toward, especially with like automation and stuff is like 
more and more like the blue collar job, like the white collar jobs are becoming like blue collar jobs. Yeah. And um, yeah, like there's repetitive just tasks over and over. I mean, there's that really great scene where um, they're talking to that one guy about what he does, and he, like, brings papers from one group of people to another. Yes. But he doesn't even do it. It's his secretary. Who does it. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, he talks to the customers and gets the specs for the engineers. Engineers uh, are bad with customers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's Tom, dude. Poor Tom. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's another one. Um, working the printer. This one is definitely doesn't apply to me as much because I, like, business is done on computers you know you don't really print much out at work but there recently we had to do some like security stuff at work where we had to like write down our personal information on paper and then fax it over to somebody Um, and yeah that was the thing the office came to a grinding halt there's like eight (laughs) of us around the (laughs) printer like which one is it which button do we press like (laughs) and i was like dang this is like because none of us use a printer now that's the problem now is that none of us have experience but back then it was just that the printer sucked um okay they also did the somebody's got a case of the Mondays and <laughs> is that from this movie? I I hope not because if they invented <laughs> that it would be really bad. Um, but also it's just like day of the week comedy or day of the week comments. Oh um, my gosh, day of the week comments. It's so it's real. Day. Oh my gosh, it's so real because <laughs> it's oh it's Monday. You know, case of the Mondays. Tuesday, <laughs> hey, at least it's not Monday. Wednesday, it's Hump Day. Thursday, it's almost Friday. Friday, aren't you glad it's Friday? every week and it's i refuse to talk about what day of the week it is anymore at work because it was a thing when i first got there especially when you're talking to like uh people you don't know very well that's like an easy thing oh yeah it's talking about the weather and talking about the weather which that one i live in oklahoma and it's the same kind of thing right oklahoma has like interesting weather though (laughs) like hey like do you you think we're gonna get hit by a tornado or a blizzard today um but for in general yes i also try to avoid that i especially don't want to say if it's going to rain, I especially don't say, we sure need it, because oh, everyone's no. already said that. <laughs> like, that part, I think, is, uh, it's not necessarily something that is, uh, like, if you work with the same people every day, I don't think that those things come up. But as far as, like, just office acquaintances, like, overuse sayings like this. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You, it's like, it's, you have to say, like, they have to have something to say. Yes. And so they just talk about anything. And it's like, hey, we all exist in the same time frame, so I can talk about the day of the week. Yep. <laughs> it's like you you trade colloquialisms and then you're on yes. with your day. And it's just, I just like to skip it. Um, it's kind of, I mean, yeah, but it's it's kind of gross. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. It, it's kind of nice being like friendly with other people even if it is kind of surface level like you know the the intention is never like oh let's talk about the day of the week it's like hey i acknowledge that you exist and also work at the place i work that's true that's true and also you're 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 in a sense respecting their privacy by not like delving deeper than that you're like saying hello you exist i work with you i respect you and then they're like ah yes wouldn't that be a more interesting conversation (laughs) (laughs) every time you saw someone's like hello you exist I, I respect you. Yeah, I think, honestly, they might come away with a lot better opinion of you if that if you were just straight up with them. Uh, I don't know if they would. I think they would just be very <laughs> weirded out. 
but yeah, so that's a very that's that's a part that I think that they uh, is good to bring up. Moving desks, and I don't know if this is oh my god, this yeah. is okay. You you agree with this one because at my in my office our desks are assigned seats, usually based on what team we're on, because we're usually we have different responsibilities, and um, so you got to sit near your team and. Uh, it can suck, dude. Your life can be really good at work. And it's like, oh, you're moving to the worst desk. It's like, no. <laughs> yeah. um, I I recently moved desks and my new desk is fine, but my old desk was awesome. I had a window seat. I could see the Capitol building and the sunrise every day. Like it was, it was fantastic. That's awesome. It was awesome. And, uh, and I, I recently lost that. And it's like, I'm working on like uh, something new and I'm excited about the new thing I'm working on. And that's why I show up to the building every day. But <laughs> I was like, no, my window and, and, and the new regime that moved to the window aisle. They don't like the sun. They like close the blinds. So, yeah, I don't even appreciate they, it. They built the they built the wall out of blinds and they kept the sunlight out. And it's uh, and for me, I'm, I'm uh, I don't know. I never thought it would be that important to me uh, to be near a window, and, but it is. And they point that out in this one too. Milton uh, regrets, or, or rather, he 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 is mad that they moved him away from his old window spot. Yeah, so and, you can see the squirrels. Yes, and the part where Peter unscrews his cubicle wall and pushes it over so that he can see the window. I was like, yes, my man. Yes, I agree. With <laughs> yeah, that. because that wall is only there. Like that wall isn't even blocking anything. It's just making that hallway. You know, he yeah. could. There's no need for that wall. It's not like he was adjacent to someone else. He was right there in the window. It's almost cruel to be like, hey, here's a wall in between you and the window. That doesn't do anything. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, I had, I mean, I had a similar experience. I had like a, I had like the building I work in is like 50 years old, but they recently renovated one part of it. And I was in the newly renovated section. So I had like this nice little cubicle that had like, I had like an L shaped desk and everything. And I had like two monitors and I had my standing desk and I had all this space that I could put like a, a calendar and stuff. And then my manager got an office instead of a cubicle. And so I had to move with him to a new place and they didn't have a space for me. They had like this half of a desk. It's like a, what's it called? Like a, ah oh man, Cassandra or something. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. It's like a half of the L desk. Yeah. And so it had some drawers and stuff, but it, it wasn't even wide enough to fit my standing desk on. It was like hanging over ah. the sides. And so, yeah, that was kind of, yeah, that was not good. And then I moved again and I have a, now this desk is a little bit wider, but it's not as long and it doesn't have shelves, but I do have a window, but the window is just to the manufacturing floor. It's <laughs> <laughs> something. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, moving desks, another good thing to point out. Like, uh, like I, I don't know. I think like stuff like that, moving desks goes like a level beyond things that like talking about Mondays or like repetitive tasks, you know, like that's like as a person who it's works like in psychologically, office, like, like it gets to you in a way that I don't like that. Like, I don't want to admit it's like, oh, I, you know, I can tough it out. It doesn't matter where I am, you know, but at the same time, it's just like, oh, you have this nice area and now you it's not as nice well it's just like- it can be not as nice it can also be nicer right like it's a it you you're rotating a lot of times so it's like you're going yeah, to a place but someone else the, in the example in the movie is that it just gets worse and worse for milton that's true um and it, it's I, I also don't know if that's true uh something maybe this movie doesn't point out as much is that you know as you get more tenured with a company you can earn certain freedoms and uh and things can become better so i'm not sure Maybe it just seems that way because Bill is like all in control, but um, that's not really something they bring up. 
but uh, moving around the desk, I think is an important one and proximity to the window. Um, so also dress code. And this one is actually brought up through the dress code or the flare rather. And um, what was it called? I can't remember. Schlotz- Chattanooga's. Schlotzky's. It wasn't Schlotzky's. Schlotzky's. Something. Because um, it was supposed to be like an off-brand kind of restaurant. Anyways, the place where Jennifer Aniston works at first with all the, the yeah, bling. Yeah. It's like TGI Fridays kind of thing. And um, yeah, having a dress code is uh, is definitely a part of a lot of jobs. Like, Because this, this movie's called Office Space, but like the sub-work-related plot line would be Jennifer Aniston's relationship to her uh, waitressing jobs where yes. she has dress code and she has a manager who uh, you know is like are you want you want to just do the bare minimum you know <laughs> uh, so I, that's another important part of like what when you go to work is what you wear and uh, some places are better than others I, I used to work at the mall and I had to wear clothes from the store that I worked in uh, yeah. and you know, it was a real ripoff is I had to buy those clothes from the store no to start working there. Did you get a discount at least? You do get a discount, but 40% on, on clothing that's already expensive. I was working at that Buckle in the so mall. Much. Yeah. They don't give you that for free? I don't give you anything for free. But luckily, um, and this is part of the reason why I wanted to work there, was because my brother had already worked there for like four years. So I had like a bunch of clothes that he uh. had. So he had to drop like 500 just to start working there. And uh, Damn. yeah, and I did it. Well, because that's the thing. If you're going to work every day, you can't be wearing the same stuff every day. So you got to buy like a wardrobe. <laughs> uh, I ended up wearing a lot of the same stuff. But I, I was like, I was working there in college. I wasn't trying to improve my wardrobe i was there to make money um, yeah so but that, that's ridiculous that's a big part that's of so it. ridiculous i currently I, I currently like my uh office dress code because we're uh business casual we don't have to wear ties so it's just like a button-up shirt and khakis and uh that's it's pretty comfortable yeah, um, yeah. and easy to you know i have to on. wear still steel toed shoes but i have these steel toed reeboks that are like super light it's awesome oh reeboks i have some steel toed caterpillar shoes like, you know, the, oh, really? the construction brand, Caterpillar, uh, yes. they make shoes. Do they have treads on the bottom? So you can like roll around like a really slow Healy. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. They're, uh, they're actually, they look like honestly like kind of normal office shoes. They're just a little bit bulkier. And um, and they're Caterpillar brand. I show them off every time I wear them. Uh, I've worn them to the office. See my cats? Yeah, see my cats on? You know, I just didn't know they made shoes. They're expensive too, $120. <laughs> Um, but the office I was working in, or the factory I was working in at the time, uh, gave me a hundred dollar voucher for them, so they're only twenty bucks. So nice. take notes, Buckle. Help your employees <laughs> afford their uh, afford their, afford their employees. That's their, probably where they make a lot of their money. It's from the kids that work there. It definitely <laughs> is. I was watching when I first got hired. You watch like these training videos, and uh, the training videos are like for the owner of the store and for the employees. So like. I was kind of getting the impression it was almost like a pyramid scheme. It's not, but in the way that they're selling it, they're like, see, so you sell the clothes to your employees and they'll sell them to like the people that they hire. And that I was like, sounds like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, um, yeah, that was, oh I think God. that everyone should work. I think I may have said this on the podcast before, but everyone should work a like low paying Retail. job, low wage job yeah. like that, uh, in, like in the service industry or the food industry, just so that you can get a feel for it um and a so it's motivation to work hard and get a job where you don't have to do that and b so you know how to treat people who are working those jobs i can't i do not understand someone who can go into a store and mistreat the employees uh in any way even if they because they're rewarded for it i get yeah i actually i i guess i guess that's true but 
just from a like a uh, 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 a, a place of em- yeah moral standpoint a place of empathy I don't understand how you can go in and ruin somebody's day like Me that either. so you can get a discount on your on your shorts. Um, anyways, getting close to the end of the office things though. <laughs> um, so another one, bosses talking near your cube, dude. Um, and this oh, is God. kind of specific, I guess, but especially when I was like an intern uh, with like, other com- like not my current company, but in a place where I wasn't sure if I belonged there. Like I was new, not very skilled, <laughs> and all the bosses talking behind your cube, and you're like, are they watching me? You know, you're like you're on your computer and sweats dripping <laughs> down the back of your neck, and you're like. Oh, Oh God! Like, what are they? Are they talking about me? And then, like, ah! <laughs> they start laughing. Like, oh no! Are they talking about firing me? Is that what that? <laughs> is that why they're laughing? <laughs> so um, oh. it's just kind of. I like the way that they did it in this film. Yeah, where it's I didn't like, catch that, but no, that's definitely that's definitely a relatable thing. Yeah, well, because they're all talking about Ice Cube, and it's a little more heavy-handed because they definitely are talking about Milton, and you can hear them. Um, but I think the anxiety of having the people who are kind of in charge of you discussing right next to you is uh is kind of an anxious situation so i like that um and lastly uh they of course they brought in like the office birthday celebrations and like and passing out the cake um my current workplace doesn't do like a birthday party for everyone's birthday otherwise we'd be eating cake literally every day but um, that sounds great (laughs) but we do uh cake for some events and uh it's definitely a relatable thing to like help pass out the cake like who's gonna help clean up can somebody get the door for me while i wheel in this giant sheet cake Um, oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) yeah the i mean the the old environment that i was in like with the new renovated stuff there was this the one department that was like next to mine was always throwing some sort of celebration there was like always food over there and of course they couldn't eat all of it so they would come by and be like hey do you want any food and i'd be like oh i shouldn't (laughs) (laughs) no i enjoyed this a lot more when i was an intern back when i guess my metabolism was a little bit higher they'd be like because um I, i was an intern at this automotive manufacturing plant and they would do a lot of like training for various different factory workers and they would have they would do the training during lunch and they would buy them lunch so they'd have pizza they'd have subs they have bags of chips and stuff and once they're done the lady who organizes that stuff would always come in and she'd be like hey do you want any pizza do you want a sandwich you know and i and i'm like <laughs> okay you know like, give me some brought it right to gives me. me yeah so um i enjoyed that a lot more before my body started slowing down with how fast it can manage all that junk um and now i gotta avoid it like um weekly like we do um we bring in bagels a lot like in in the office and i almost never eat one even though i love bagels because i'm like if i eat this every week for the rest of my life what is gonna happen to me you know this isn't just a a treat this is an investment this isn't just a bagel yeah this is a lifestyle it is that's exactly (laughs) so uh yeah, another another thing they got right. Uh, all right, that's enough stuff from offices. I think that went on long enough. Uh, let's talk about the Easter eggs. And really, uh, I just have one. It's Milton, the character of Milton, a very iconic character from this film uh, with his stapler. He, so he's actually based... I have a stapler like that, by the way. Oh, really? I, um, yeah, what, a red one. Yeah. Swing line. I think it's a swing line. I haven't checked, but... Is it because it doesn't it's, jam It's really much? nice. It, it's really nice. I actually... Like back when working in an office, it required some like handiwork, having to staple things by hand. Wow, I uh, <laughs> I never deal with any sort of like paper or stapling at work, even though I also work in an office. Um, everything is just digital. 
But uh, so Milton was an, it was like these animated shorts that were uh, created by Mike Judge. He did all the voices in them as well. And they were on a few different things. They were on uh, MTV's Liquid Television and uh, and Saturday Night Live as well. And I think they played somewhere else, too. But uh, they were just like these little shorts about working in an office. And also Milton, like his lines in exchange with Bill, because uh, Bill Lumberg is also one of the characters that was created on these animated shorts. Uh, their exchange about uh, like it was like that part of the movie where Bill takes the stapler away and he's like, oh, there's that stapler I've been looking for. That is pretty much verbatim from a Milton animated short. I, I went and looked it up, yeah. So it's uh, it was very much inspired by that. And apparently this movie was pitched as like a Milton movie, but oh. Mike Judge was like, you don't know what Milton does when he goes home. You know, I created him. So he expanded this and didn't focus solely on Milton. Milton was just a uh, character. And I think if you're like some sort of big fan of the Milton animated shorts, you'd be pretty happy with how he's represented in this film because from what I've seen... I mean, he is the hero from that story. That's true. And... Uh, from what I can tell of the of the shorts that I saw, like they got him and Bill straight out of the animated shorts. It's the same character. Um, cool. So he lives on there. All right, let's move on to our quotable moments. You know, there are people in this world that don't have to put up with all this shit. Like that guy that invented the pet rock. You see, that's what you have to do. You have to use your mind and come up with some really great idea like that. And you can make millions, never have to work again. You think the pet rock was a really great idea? Sure it was. The guy made a million dollars. So this is kind of like the justification after the fact. I'm sure there's a better way of putting this, but like the, the I guess the, the means justify the ends in a way. It's like the pet rock is like this fad that, you know, is very popular and it made a lot of money, I guess, kind of like all the other fads that are out there. But it's there's it's just a lucky thing. It didn't actually like, change things or like make people's lives better or anything like is it really that great of an idea or is it just like you know capitalizing on people's ability to connect to literally anything um it's like if it if you came up with the idea for pet rock and it didn't make any money would it be a good idea right and i think the answer is no it's a it's st- but also i would say it's still a terrible idea even if it does make money it doesn't matter if it makes money it can still be a bad idea right it's like a flash yeah. in the pan that happened at the right time you know right. it's more of it just happens it just happened to catch on you know for whatever random reason that it's almost impossible to predict because i'm sure there's tons and tons of people out there that would love to replicate the success of the pet rock but and are studying how to do it and yet are failing all the time it's just like a what I, what's interesting about this is like the justification of it made money, therefore it must be good. And that's the same way that they talk about their office job. They say, oh, we make money here. It must be good. Ah, okay. It's, it's also, yeah. well, yeah, it also just doesn't mean, um, I guess it goes the other way too. It's like just because your idea doesn't make money doesn't remove its value. Exactly. You know, there's more to life than making money. I like that idea. I like that a lot. Um, all right, I got the next one. It doesn't really matter. I, uh, I don't like my job, and uh, I don't think I'm going to go anymore. You're just not going to go? Yeah. Won't you get fired? I don't know. But I really don't like it, and uh, I'm not going to go. <laughs> so you're going to quit? No, not really. Uh, I'm just going to stop going. 
Uh, when did you decide all of that? About an hour ago. Really? Yeah. About an hour ago. <laughs> so you gonna get another job? I don't think I'd like another job. <laughs> well, what are you gonna do about money and bills and... You know, I've never really liked paying bills. I don't think I'm gonna do that either. <laughs> <laughs> so I think... First off, I think this is a really iconic scene. Uh, the part where he's kind of still in the hypnotic trance and he's kind of just floating through his life and seemingly like uh, invincible because of his attitude. Uh, and I just think that that's kind of the uh, the dream of somebody who's tired of their office job to be able to go through this line of questioning and have these answers be your authentic uh, answers. Uh, I don't I, and I don't think the movie really sets it up for him to succeed beyond this uh he he seemingly keeps his job because he impresses the consultants at work which i think that's airtight that works for the movie but um they'd ever answer how he's going to pay his bills um or if he you know what he's gonna do for an income in general uh but it doesn't matter i think that this is just supposed to be a satisfying scene for people who agree with his point of view and say like i am tired of my job wouldn't it be nice to just say forget it i'm not even going to show up you know, it doesn't follow the the stereotypical running in and raging at your boss because maybe it's not even your boss who deserves the uh, to be put down, right? It's it's the situation, it's the job that you wish you could just drop and leave behind. And this is kind of getting you to you can take a look at that here and maybe uh, enjoy it through Peter's experience. Yeah, um, I don't know, but I think makes I I do really like his arc. I really like the way that like he gets hypnotized and then he like reframes his whole life. Um, but I feel like his motivation to do nothing is a little bit misplaced because I feel like that's a very much a temporary feeling, you know, yes. like I like if I do nothing for a day that feels good while I'm doing it. And then afterward, I feel terrible. And I'm like, why did I do nothing today? I could have done anything today. and I did nothing. So I don't know, like it makes more sense for me from my perspective to do something to say something like I'm going to do this instead of I'm not going to go anymore. Like I understand. Oh, just leaving and not giving any sort of notice or anything like that and just kind of pissing everybody off and making everything everybody's lives harder back where you left. Like that makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is like in in response I'm also not going to do anything. Yeah, that was a little bit. But again, I think that just comes from like the ideal like dream of the person who's trapped yeah, in their yeah, cubicle. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. So it's uh but I, I, I mostly just want to have our listeners hear this again because it is such a iconic part of this film. Um, okay. Okay. Which actually, this next part too. Let's let's play the next one. Would you walk us through a typical day for you? Yeah. Great. Well, I generally come in at least fifteen minutes late. Uh, I use the side door that way Lumberg can't see me, <laughs> and. Uh, and after that, I just sort of space out for about an hour. Tell but, uh, space out? Yeah, I just stare at my desk. But it looks like I'm working. I do that for uh, probably another hour after lunch, too. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. So yeah, I think this is uh, hilariously honest. And um, in my, I don't know, in my brief amount of time I've spent in the workplace. I've known people who's, uh, who, you know, a lot of times it's people who've been in 
the industry for a long time uh, and they work in a office that has a lot of bureaucracy and maybe their services aren't like super necessary. Uh, so they end up not doing a whole lot at work, but they still have to look busy, right? Because it wouldn't be good. Someone is going to start asking questions if you look like you're not doing anything all the time. Um, so I again, I think this is just them kind of getting it right in some aspect. I think to say that everyone does this is really overstating it, but there are some situations where your job, it basically makes sense to just look busy as opposed to actually getting anything done, which raises yeah, the question, but, why are you there? Uh, yes, but I think that's like a, it's like a symptom of a different problem. It's not that he's lazy. It's that he's totally unmotivated, right? Yes. Which, again, um, I think there's a certain extent to, like, your salary being your motivation, right? It's like, we're paying you, so you got to do this stuff. We agreed to this. That's why you came yeah. here, right? And, and like, a lot of employers will expect that to be enough, you know, to be your motivation. Um, I mean, he talks about that, too, right after this, where he's like, I, uh, you know, I have eight bosses. So the only reason that I don't do any, I don't mess up, I try not to mess up, is because I know I'm going to get hassled by eight different guys. And also, I just don't want to lose my job. Um, but that only makes somebody work so hard. Um, exactly. Yeah. There's like different, I mean, there's different tiers of motivation, right? And the most base one is I'm coming in here because I need the money. Right. And I mean, the truth is that you could, it sounds kind of silly, but you could get a job anywhere. You could get, you could get money from anywhere, right? Maybe not the same amount. Maybe you would be something, something worse. I don't know. But like the money itself, is never it doesn't feel like enough like that whole argument of what's it um like they did it because they wanted money like they did it because they were greedy it's like yeah but they could have done anything right just tons of different ways to make money why did they do this right it's um well it's also you got to consider that humans aren't like machines you know you're not a car just needs gas put into it money being the gas right. in the situation like you're you're a human who is you know you're gonna seek personal fulfillment and you're not going to find that just through money so it's uh right so it's that lack of motivation to which this kind of leads into but um <laughs> i think i don't know there's certain things that uh like would happen in the office that i think people might be hesitant to reveal based on it reflecting poorly on them like if you were to actually say it's like yeah i just spaced out for an hour at work um that doesn't reflect very well on you as a person no, um it doesn't. from a, the perspective of someone on the outside right but this movie doesn't isn't it's not a real job so they have the uh the freedom to be able to admit yeah i just showed up and did nothing you know um uh, <laughs> which I think is, again, what this movie allows you to do. Yes. Okay, my next quote is about the flair. We want you to express yourself, okay? Now, if you feel that the bare minimum is enough, then okay. But some people choose to wear more, and we encourage that, okay? This is when uh, Jennifer Aniston's character is talking to her boss about the flair. Um, and I just really like this whole idea of like we have a bare minimum but you have to exceed that um we're expecting you to exceed that right like we want you to do this but you're going to get in trouble unless you do more than this like why don't you just tell me what you want why do you making why do you make this into a game and in a way like this weird backwards thinking of like oh like the flair really matters ends up 
kind of costing her her job and like flushing out someone who wasn't motivated. It like works in a weird way because like he keeps hassling her about it and eventually she quits or gets fired. Right. So like, okay, like, like she, she displays that she is not motivated to work there and by her lack of flair. And then that comes out in a big way. And then they don't want someone who's there who's not motivated, I guess. So it kind of works in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, she got fired, but really she did it. She kind of quit when she flicked off her boss. I don't know if she expected yeah. to keep her job after that. Yeah, but I don't know. This this whole idea is very much prevalent in, in like, badly formed systems, you know, in, in jobs where, like, you the expectations are not clearly displayed. There's that one quote they say where they say, um, the Bob say, we try to avoid confrontation as much as possible. And this feels just like that. Where it's like, you want them to do something, but you can't bring yourself to tell them to do something. I don't know. It's, it's so frustrating because, like, when you're at work, your job is to, like, do your job. And you have other people around you whose job is also to do your job. You should hold each other accountable to that. You shouldn't have to play these weird mind games to try and get them to do things, you know? You, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you could make it that simple, but I bet it's hard to execute. Well, it's hard because it's hard for you to confront people. It's hard to say what you're thinking, really. The, the flare thing is like a, is a substitute for something else. And in a way, it actually does end up flushing out someone who wasn't motivated to do it, but in the, the most backwards and silly way possible. You know, now you're losing an employee because of some weird dress code that you have. Whereas if you just told her that you're, she needs to be more personable or something maybe that would have been translated better instead of like oh i need i need you to express yourself through your buttons right it's like th- does the flair really matter is is a customer going to notice the difference between um what was the minimum 17 i think it was like 15, 15. Yeah. it's like is a customer really going to notice a difference between 15 and like 17 or are they going to notice the difference between somebody who like brings that extra uh, charisma to the interaction, right? Like that, like our friend who says "get a room," uh, <laughs> flicks them off. Yes. Uh, that guy is definitely <laughs> the ideal uh, employee, and maybe he's just like that. So he's found a place where he can act that way, and it pays off for him. Um, right. So, uh, but I, 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 I'm glad you pointed that out because I didn't really see it like that. But it's like the the flair is kind of a stand-in for more of an attitude. Um, that she right. doesn't and it's not the best way of doing it at all it's it's stupid but it's like a substitute it's become this euphemism right it's like instead of saying what he instead of the manager saying you need to act a certain way he's like you need to express yourself you need to have more flair on you because that feels like something that he can enforce more so than like being able to say i need you to act differently right okay on to the next one we don't have a lot of time on this earth. We weren't meant to spend it this way. Human beings were not meant to sit in little cubicles staring at computer screens all day. I like this quote a lot. <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily like it, but I, uh, I'm glad we're talking about it. <laughs> I think it's true. And I think it's, I think it's um, something to really keep in mind. You know, it's like you, your body is not, naturally meant to do something like this you were never evolved to sit in a cubicle and stare at a screen all day and if you are okay with that you can take steps to like deal with it right you can schedule time to go for a walk you can do more things outside of work make sure you're not seeing like how often do you stare at screen all day go home and stare at a screen more oh it's uh it's just like the meme uh <laughs> 
like s- go to work stare at bad screen can't wait to go home and stare at good screen yes. <laughs> right like the i don't know becoming aware of that is their first step of like changing it and making yourself a little bit less miserable and and realizing that like because you're not meant not because you're not built for that kind of like work you have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and also that if you feel bad not to just discount that as something else right i actually i i mean i've felt this before too because there's sometimes you get busy outside of work especially when i'm doing stuff like podcasting and stuff like i'll end up working all day then i'll come home and i'll edit until bed and um be sitting at a computer the whole time and that can add up to you really not feeling that great in like a um not even necessarily like a emotional way but like more of a psychological way like you're just you're tired all the time and um you know kind of foggy and then you like and you again this happens you're sitting down all the time not exercising uh, and then you'll exercise and you which you think would make you even more tired right but your body is like yes finally we're doing this and then you feel better after that and you're like oh yeah this is part of why i've been feeling so crummy right is i'm not meant to just right. sit here all the time um and it's hard to do it's like kind of seems like a the opposite of what would happen it's like i'm already tired I don't want to go out and move around, but it's it's really like part of what you need. I don't know. I'm not trying to push like a uh, fitness regiment right now, but no. But I I've had that exact same experience where I like I was like struggling to keep my eyes open at work. I come home and I'm like I want to take a nap, but I go out for a run anyway, and I feel so much better. Yeah. I feel like like I can't believe that I was able to do any of that. I felt like I was so exhausted, but I like, had all that energy. I was just like my body was just like mentally just not able to like motivate myself to move anymore (laughs) right right and it can be like just a uh, at this point now i definitely relish the days where i'm on my feet the whole time and i'm pushing myself to like the limit like uh like if i go to like a museum or like a uh pushing myself to the limit like going to a museum (laughs) but you know what i mean like uh like going yeah like walking around and like engaging right like going on a trip and spending the whole day touring a city or something like that where you're standing the whole time or moving the whole time and it's you know it's exhausting but um you at the end of the day you feel like different than you would have having sat there all day um and and it's a i don't know your body rewards you for that so it's something to keep in mind when you have a job like this you weren't meant to be seated all the time i always tell people it's a death sentence to be seated all the time so you got to fight it you got to do you got to walk at lunch isn't that like the isn't that like the one of the biggest like health problems is like sedentary lifestyle? Yes, yes. Especially with all the entertaining things that we have to uh, enjoy, like media-wise, there's no shortage of reasons to sit down. But you got to stand up and do something else, which is why podcasts are good. Uh, shout out to any of our listeners who are working out right now and listening to the pod. Shout out to podcasts. Yeah, podcasts in general, though, because um, as much I do like music and I work out to music mostly, but there are definitely those days where I got to hear, you know, I got to hear uh, my uh, NPR while I'm while I'm lifting weights, dude. Sometimes that's what gets me. Sometimes wait, wait, don't tell me gets me through the weight room. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I, it's super important to keep in mind. Um, yeah, all right. We, we did something funny in this episode about offices. <laughs> God damn it. Um, all right. I'm ready to, uh, be done with the quotes. Joey, is there anything else to say about our quotes? No, I think it was time to move on to something a little deeper, 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 deeper. deeper. Okay. So uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I, 
Well, uh, one of the things that happens in this movie, um, which could have led to a different happy ending, was when they uh, put the virus into the software to steal percentages of a penny. Um, and while they were doing this, they were trying to... There's this discussion between Jennifer Aniston and... <laughs> Jennifer Aniston, don't remember her character's name. And uh, <laughs> and Peter in the car. Yeah. Where they talk about... Where she's like, so you're stealing. And he's like, no, the money just becomes ours. And <laughs> I want to pose the question, is it ethical to steal from an organization that you consider to be evil? No. Yeah, I, 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 I wish this was a deeper psychological question, but I think, yeah, at the end of the day, the answer is no. Um, okay, I'll give you a, a more realistic uh, question to pose. Okay. Uh, is it ethical to tell Spotify you're a student two years after you've graduated from college? I feel like that's more of a gray area where it's like neither good nor bad. You're stealing like $5 you're from them. You're, you're not stealing it, though. You're lying. It's different. Okay, so we're, it's a step... So lying's not as bad as stealing, then? No, in my mind, no. Okay. Well... I don't know. I guess it depends on the lie, obviously. It depends on if that lie leads to stealing. <laughs> what about... Like, I guess, I, guess, like, I guess, like, if you think you're... Ta- if you can prove, like, what you're doing is stealing from something that's going to hurt other people, then that kind of... Like, I feel like you could justify it that way. But the when you steal from an evil organization, who gets the who gets hurt? The people at the floor, mm. your friends. You know, Milton is the one that's getting hurt. Bob Lumberg is not going to lose a cent on his paycheck because of this missing money. Um, like, you know, right, right, okay. It gets pushed down to to the lowest level when you're dealing with this sort of thing. Like, all they do is just cut corners more. They don't, you know, it's not like anyone's actually going to suffer. They're gonna people at the top are gonna make sure that their pay stays the same. I mean, look at the whole like financial crisis and like the uh, the golden parachute thing, right? All these CEOs that like their businesses failed, but they had some sort of contract that paid out millions of dollars in case they got like the business failed. Like, hey, that's pretty good if you can write the rules that way for yourself, right? right. But it doesn't. But regardless of the ethics of that um, organization, the person who's responsible is not the one that's hurt. I uh, I wish that the answer was yes. I wish it was ethical to steal from organi- evil organizations. It's not that simple. But yeah, you're right. It isn't that simple. Which, this movie, I think, leads you to that conclusion as well. They don't let you think that... Not only is it a bad idea because they get caught, but also because it's not ethical. Um, okay, next question. Is it worth getting wrecked so that you can get a large settlement and like not have to work anymore? <laughs> this is probably the... This is like the dark level of humor that I, was, I wish the whole movie had kind of set. Because I, I definitely felt like, oh man, like this guy, like his life is ruined and yet he's like so happy that he doesn't have to work anymore. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He tells Peter, he's like, you know, I was once just like you. You know, I hated my job too. But now look at me. Like, and he's in yeah. a full body cast. Oh God. <laughs> he has the... Um, I mean, like maybe you'll be okay, but like maybe not. Like it's just awful. I'm wondering, um, have you seen SpongeBob? Like the early episodes of SpongeBob? Um, have you seen the episode where no. they take Squidward <laughs> jellyfishing um, and he's in a full body cast 
No, I don't think so. Okay, well, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm drawing a line between two things that aren't actually connected. Both of them are from 1999, but uh, Squidward has his foot kind of, like, he has the same, like, configuration as uh, Bob does in the situation when he's in the same body cast. Anyways, one of the things I thought was interesting was the lawyer that earned him this big settlement was named Rob Newhouse. And I was wondering if uh, there's more meaning to that or if I'm just kind of reaching here because his name is Mm. Rob new house and i could see that being like you know you're stealing your way to more money you know enough money to buy a new house uh by getting all this money through the settlement i don't know if this is a uh a commentary on the american like uh law like lawsuit system where you can earn all this money because of somebody else's negligence but besides the name i don't think that it really makes a case for that in, in any real way besides saying like you know posing the question is this really worth it is this path to money really worth it no because money isn't everything you know if you don't have your health what do you have that's true although it did um this kind of leads us into our next question though it's like what would you do if you had a million dollars he's he pursues his idea for the jump to conclusions matt you know he's like now that i'm not working at the office i have time to do my own thing i'm gonna make this jump to conclusions matt that i'm passionate about and i i like that a lot um, as unfortunate as his situation is being all injured and stuff, I like that he's able to pursue something that even if everyone else thinks it's stupid, he at least it appreciates it. <laughs> it had so many things. I was huge. <laughs> Where'd you put that? Like, why would you, what's the, what do you do with it? <laughs> you jump to conclusions. <laughs> I liked it. I, I, it's like a, it's just, just stupid enough of an idea to be hilarious. So what would you do if you had a million dollars? If I had a million dollars, and I guess maybe a million dollars isn't the right amount of money. Because I, I think the question... The, the, the real question is, what would you do if you didn't have to work? Yeah. Um, and I think if it was right now, it would be doing this full-time. Like uh, create yeah. content creation. Oh, yeah. Um, doing podcasting, YouTube videos. Um, in case, yeah, if you're listening right now, in case you don't know, we do have a YouTube channel, in which we're slowly getting started. Video is a <laughs> lot more time-consuming uh, than audio. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, I would do stuff like that. I think full time. I, uh, ever since I was a kid, I've been into content creation. Uh, my dad gave me like a camera in middle school and I made little stop motion movies with my Legos and then progressed to making little skits with my friends. And then I did call of duty, modern warfare Two commentary videos where I had absolutely nothing to say. Um, (laughs) but anyways, it's always been something fun. And there was a point where I chose to go down engineering because it was something I was interested in and I was good at. Um, and also something that had a way more secure future than content creation. And at the time I was like, yeah, but if I can afford to live my life normally, I'll be able to do content creation on the side and I'll be able to afford like a nice camera and a nice microphone and stuff. So, um, if I had all the money already, skip it, dude, I'm going straight to content creation. And I think that'd be a lot of fun. What about you? Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of agree. I mean, that's kind of how we started doing this. I like, I always, same thing. I always liked making a little movies with my friends and stuff. Um, and yeah, yeah, I guess YouTube has kind of been a small passion of mine in a way. Um, but it's just hard to get into, you know, it's hard to like start making things consistently. But yeah, if I had all the time to just, you know, spend all my time doing that, then that's what I would like to do. I'd probably go more into like writing, you know, writing a, a book or a novel or something or doing research for some sort of 
elaborate fiction. Yes. Oh my god, like dude! A, I cannot stress how frustrated I am with the public schooling system in South Carolina uh, because of the way that it. I, I don't know. Maybe it's my fault, but I feel like the they made me uh, view writing as a chore, something to like to hate. Like essays, yeah. I hated research. I hated. Um, you know, it's like you. I would do my MLA citations. I'd be so meticulous, and they'd be like, "Oh, sorry, that was supposed to be italicized. There's a comma missing here. You know, you, here's points off." And I'm just like, I hate this. Um, and yeah. now, I like to write for fun. Now, and again, I'm not a writer. I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> uh, uh, you know because people who've gone to school for that and obviously are like way better at it than me but um i mean like what do we do to prepare for this podcast we write things we like when we uh really it's expressing yourself getting your ideas out of your head and into a way that somebody else can understand them better Uh, and i think that's that's great and i enjoy that so much and going through school i wanted to get as far away from that as possible um yeah same because the stuff you write about is just just sucked but every time you got like a creative writing assignment i like took it and ran like it was just so much more engaging. I could feel like I had all these things in my head that I wanted to get out. And yeah, I still feel that way. When I was working at the movie theater, I had all this downtime when I started writing in my notebooks. And it just like, I fell back in love with it. It's just such a, a great way for me to kind of solidify things in my mind. And I can write about anything. I could write about literally anything. Right. And so, um, yeah, it, it, I don't even know how we got onto this. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what would you, yeah, what would you do if you didn't have to work? Yeah. You know, if you could just spend all your time doing that. And I don't know, like I probably get burnt out on it at some point, but that's just part of the part of the fun of it too. Is like being able to push yourself to that limit and then find out what how to get through it. You know, overcome writer's block, overcome these challenges. And it's nothing stopping me from doing these things now either. And I, I try to, but it would be nice if I could do it and not have to worry about it. Well, it would be nice if I could do it not feeling exhausted after having done something else all day. You know, like engineering yeah. isn't easy. I show up, you know, with got to do it. And then when you get home, it would be nice to rest. But then you're like, I got to do this other stuff, too. So, um, yeah, it's like if only we could do this consistently, we say as we record our 48th episode of a podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so content creation. I think, yeah, we have the same mindset there. All right keeping this moving so this this movie definitely poses a problem it's like your pathetic job that you don't feel like you're really uh achieving all that much so what is the answer um and i think this movie poses a couple of answers um one of them is lawrence lawrence's lifestyle where he's kind of just outdoorsy simple it's about just the, his raw needs. You know, if he had a million dollars, he'd have sex with two girls. Like that's and that's all he time. wants, you know, and he's not reaching for the stars, really. He's just satisfied with something that's more or less attainable. Um and, and he yeah. and he's a simple guy. And I think that there's a lot to that. Like <laughs> with the way he answers the question, it's like, has everyone ever asked you about Mondays? He's like, No, man. Like, no. <laughs> he's like, like so he disgusted. Gets, like, like- <laughs> like what he's like yeah like he gets so offended and yeah disgusted at that which i think is great um and you know he's he's into fishing you know that him he takes him fishing at one point um yeah and that's a simple uh i don't want to say simple because simple makes it seem like i'm i'm being condescending to it but it's like uh it it, yeah it's not complicated like it, it really is it's like he he he's like doing what he wants to do and it's not that hard and he's satisfied with what he's got so yeah it's just like being content in a way like it's kind of frees him from these kind of other problems that 
uh what's his name peter, that peter uh, has peter. yeah well and also like yeah. the whole what is your occupation if that's your mindset and it's like working in right. construction working outdoors i've i was a carpenter's apprentice uh the summer between high school and college and it was actually are you jesus am i jesus yeah no my my i was jesus's apprentice and uh oh. anyways it was really it was actually pretty great it was hard I, it was exhausting there were some days where i literally couldn't do anything after work because i just didn't have the energy um especially working in the south carolina heat i was sweating all over the place and you know hammering nails and but it is it's a free workout basically like you're, you're having to lift things and like walk around all day um and it's, I don't know, it's satisfying. I don't know if it's necessarily all that high paying unless you're like a contractor who's got a lot of clients and you're really experienced, but um, yeah, it, it, it there's definitely still satisfaction in a hard day's work uh, in manual labor. So I, I, yeah, I get like that mindset. Seeing something erected, right? Seeing something change in front of yes. you. And, and change because of you. That's very sad. Actually, it, it truly is. Uh, yeah, being able to have that, like once you've finished it, it's like uh, somebody is going to have a barbecue on that deck and I hammered 2,000 nails into that deck. Uh, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So it, that is nice. That's one answer. The other answer is love. Um, we have that quote at the end where uh, Peter says that he's like, I don't understand why I can't like my job. And Jennifer Aniston's like, well, nobody really likes your job. You just got to find something to like about it. And then he's like, well, I don't know if I'll ever like my job, but if I could be with you, maybe I can like my life. That's a nice line. It is a nice line. <laughs> and um, I think that's another answer that poses, you know, it's like, don't, and, and maybe this can extend beyond your significant other and even just into your community. It's like, learn to appreciate the people that are there with you, that are around you. And, uh, and even though you might not love the, the, the job you're actually doing, it, it can be a still positive environment that you're in, uh, with people that you care about and they care about you. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that, you know? Okay, um, my deeper topic is about catharsis. So I don't know if you know what the definition of catharsis is. Tell me. Okay, so uh, it was kind of defined by um, Aristotle way back when he was alive in the classic Greek times. Um, it basically means the purging of emotion. There's a quote from Wikipedia. It says, the rational control of irrational emotions. So like, uh, catharsis, you experience catharsis when something kind of satisfies in a desire in you, a desire that normally could not be satisfied. For example, like, uh, some, well, there's a bunch of really good examples in this movie that I will, will, will tell you right now. So okay. one of them is like sticking it to your boss, telling it as it is, not doing what you're told, stealing from the company that stole from you, burning down a building. There's all these things that like, like, oh, I wish I could do that. You know, oh, I wish I could stick it to my boss. Oh, I, like, I just want to burn this place down. And seeing that happen on screen is very cathartic. And it, it kind of uh, like lets out the steam in a way. It like lets you kind of experience this in a very safe way, but also in a way that's satisfying to your emotions. Um, so my the whole thing is that this movie is a cathartic movie. It's a fantasy for someone who works in an office. And the movie doesn't make you hate your office job. It makes you okay with your office job. Okay. I can definitely see that. Another cathartic moment was smashing the fax machine. Yes, or exactly. Yeah, like everyone's wanted to do that. Yeah. And to see that happen on screen and see these guys like do it in a, in a funny way is very cathartic. and makes you 
makes you not want to smash your carpet, carpet, uh, your carpeter, your copier anymore. Yeah, at least it's not as bad as the copier from Office Space, which also there's gotcha. like an online debate uh, between whether or not it's a fax machine or a printer. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it could be both, right? Sure. I guess so. I'm not old enough to have ever used a fax machine. I've used a fax machine. They look like printers. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, um, yeah, because recently when I sent, I guess it was kind of the equivalent of a fax, but it was like a scanner that I used that but they were like, sent a digital copy. They seem to like go over there and like, they seem to be printing something or copying something. I don't know. That's not important. <laughs> right, it isn't. And that's that people are like are arguing. They're like, this looks just like a LG model 4020. Like, oh, really? That's hilarious. Because like, it's got yeah, to be something. Like a, yes. Um, I think it's on r slash what is this thing um, that I saw <laughs> the debate. It's not, it's one of, it's close to that. I'm not sure if that's the exact subreddit, but they argue about uh, what that I'm means. not surprised yeah, that exists. <laughs> I totally agree with you. So um, let's just say that we lived in a, um, like a, dystopian future where your job controls like the media that you're allowed to consume would a office job allow this movie because it makes you feel more okay with your job as kind of a way to rage against the system within the system or would they ban it because it gives their employees bad ideas the first one for sure it doesn't make you uncomfortable enough it makes you kind of like oh it's funny but in a but at the end it's like everything's okay it all worked out you know there's not they don't linger on the fact that nothing's changed okay it's like one guy switched jobs i guess but yes you know. <laughs> yes and like it cuts away before his boss can come over there and tell him he's doing something wrong that's but true you know what's going on yeah that's a good point because yeah they, they kind of idealize the construction job but i don't necessarily know if that's true sounds like it'd be fun for one day yeah <laughs> You get to wear a hard hat. That's cool. Uh, but <laughs> so, yeah, actually, I, li- I like that a lot. Um, that's the way I'm going to kind of view this movie from now on is it's like the uh, the rage against the system that the system is totally comfortable. Yep. With. It's it's the muse of, you know, movies. OK. It's the, um, it's the simple Ricks. Of, yes. Uh, of uh, office <laughs> movies. Oh, man. What episode do we talk about that before in? Because we played a soundbite uh, from network. Simple Rick. The one we yeah, about network. in Network, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I totally agree with that. And um, I think you've changed my mind a lot about how I view this film. Uh, because Good. it could definitely be <laughs> that means a lot I'm right. more fighting. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was going into this thing that I totally missed something. And maybe I still did. I, I mean, I don't think it's a, ter- a terrible movie. I think it's great. Uh, I think it's something you should watch if you work in an office just because the, it's meant for you. You know, the comedy yeah, is. Yeah, that's um, true. But, that's but it's... True. But it's not the biting commentary that I think a lot of people think it is, that I thought it was going into this. So, um, okay. Do you have anything else for us, or should we go on to our ratings? Hey, guys. Benjamin here. I'm uh, editing the podcast right now, and I just realized we neglected to mention a tweet that was sent in to us about this film. It comes to us from Kyle Delahanty, at Kyle Delahanty, close friend of the podcast. Kyle says, My banner image is a screen capture from this movie of the protagonist cleaning a striped bass at his cubicle. I always like that part. Sometimes fishing is more important than work stuff. And you know what, Kyle? I think you're exactly right. Uh, in this episode, Joey and I talked about how this movie is kind of a uh, fantasy for... It serves as a fantasy for people who have spent too much time pent up in their cubicle, and I think that there's no greater act of rebellion than uh, to clean a striped bass at your desk and dump the guts on top of a tps report so um you're you're exactly right kyle thank you so much for sending this in um 
and I didn't want it to go <laughs> un uh, unannounced, un uh, untalked about on this episode about Office Space. So thank you very much, Kyle. Now back to the podcast. Let's get our ratings. All right, you can go first. I give this movie one gutted fish on a pile of TPS reports. Nice. I give this movie a shiny red stapler and a cubicle near the window. Nice. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> uh, okay. So that's Office Space. Joey, what's next? Next movie we're doing is Birdman. Yes, Birdman. I'm super excited. I've seen it before. I love this movie, and I'm ready to take an even closer look at it. Same. Okay. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, so for Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.